0: Someone in red, in he to oh, he's it! From and it goes towards the,
1: goal for him. the This could be the most dramatic story of the season. It's Torres. Oh! To get-
0: Hello and welcome back to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand uh, and uh, owner of Hershey Park FC in our fantasy league. And we have Blue Moon, Logan Stump.
2: Come on, City.
0: And we have we have Nabby Lad, whatever that's supposed to be for yeah. there. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a um, so it's a it's a joke that Liverpool players were doing during lockdown they did little zoom yoga sessions and oh, okay. that's, that's like their big thing. Nabi lad. They all, they all would say it obviously all in different languages.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I was wondering what that, what that was. I was looking at it this morning. Um, we are, we are
1: probably, <laughs> I had to draft them after that.
0: <laughs> we are not talking about fantasy this week really i mean i guess we can kind of go over our teams maybe later but our main thing here this is the build up to the season this is our premier league preview for the 2020 2021 season uh so yeah we're going to we're going to get going on that which is uh which is exciting that it's actually here now like uh it feels like they just ended because they just did <laughs> <laughs> uh so such a quick turnaround here um we're going to go over our top four picks. We're going to go over our relegation, golden boots, player of the year, manager of the year. Uh, and and three storylines we've each picked out of what we are going to keep an eye on uh, this season or what we think should be what you are keeping an eye on uh, during the course of the season. So yeah, I guess we can get into it. The season is upon us. Logan, how are you feeling as a Manchester City fan without Messi as we go into the season this week? Uh, you you guys don't play till the twenty first. Manchester City don't play till like the twenty first. But uh, how are you feeling going into the season?
2: You know, I feel I feel pretty good as far as the league's concerned. Um, I feel that you know I think if we add Koulibaly Bali and uh, a couple more pieces, maybe they're talking about finding another attacker. Um, but I think if we add Koulibaly back to that back four, maybe find a left back, Um, I'm feeling pretty good about City's chances as far as competing for the league. I don't think they've gotten good enough for Europe. Um, So obviously that messy, uh, the messy mess uh, really kind of just threw things off. Um, You know, I think City focused, I think they didn't lead on as much, but City focused a little too much on maybe uh, some good news out of Barcelona, but it didn't come and now, I think we're kind of scrambling just like everybody else.
0: Yeah. Okay. Matt, we, you went on a little bit of a rant last week. Any, any more of a better outlook here uh, going into the season now that you're kind of removed from the community shield. And I think you said that they won a a preseason game like seven to something. (laughs) Are, Are you feeling any better at all as the team goes into its first week uh, before they have to take a loss against Chelsea in week two? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I, you know, it, it goes up and down. I, I'm pretty excited for the season. and I I do think they're one of the top teams, top three teams in the Premier League right now. So um, I'm still a little worried. And I I really wish the transfer news would either stop or, you know, something happened just to, just to get a little bit more depth into the team here, I just I can't get that part wrapped around my head. Is to to see how little depth they currently have, but their starters are still one of the the best eleven inside of Europe in European football. So I, I know once they they play against Leeds, I actually think they'll have a pretty decent time against Leeds, uh, pretty similar to Norwich last year. So I think watching them play. And then hopefully get some fans in here soon too, and I think that'll also be a big big factor for the team. So I, I'm getting I'm getting more excited as the days go by, especially knowing that I get to see my team play this weekend. <laughs> unlike Logan, who has to wait a little bit, but you know as, it, as time goes on, it, it is getting really exciting to to think that they'll be playing Premier League soccer in at what six days now, and you know I. I still think they're one of the best teams and it's going to be a fun season and no Messi does help it a little bit. So hopefully that, uh, that stays away and I don't have to watch him and powder blues this upcoming year.
0: All right. Uh, so for me going into this uh, for, if this is your first time listening, since this is a preview episode uh, that, you know, I am a, I am a Chelsea supporter going into this season. There's a lot of optimism, for all the signings we had, and that's one of the storylines we'll be going over later. Uh, But I I just... uh, We'll kind of move into the top four here in a little bit here, but um, while I do think we've added some key contributors, I I don't think it's still enough to get past Manchester City or Liverpool. So I guess we can kind of segue into our top four, but I am very excited. So the first game is on Monday for Chelsea... I believe against Brighton and then we play Liverpool. I think it's that Sunday when I when I come down. So that'll be uh that'll be exciting. Uh moving on to our top four picks. Uh how do we want to do this? Do we want to each give our top four or each give fourth place, each give third, each give second? I think we might do it that way. Logan, who do you have as fourth place in the Premier League in twenty twenty to twenty twenty one?
2: Fourth place, I've got Man United. You know, I, I think they're in that third spot last year, and and they're a ways away from City and Liverpool. Uh, they just don't add anything intriguing. I mean, Van de Beek is, is kind of interesting. Um, but, again, I think just adding him and, and their form, uh, for some reason over the last couple of years, it just seems like their form is very off and on. Um, I think, you know, they, they've scored... I think they said, I was listening to a podcast earlier, it said I think they've scored the most goals that they've had since Ferguson was gone. Um, so it, it's it's interesting to look at it um, from a perspective from a City fan um, because I think they are up and coming. I think they're getting better um, again, but I don't think they've made any kind of additions uh, to, to push their way up to compete against the top two, and I think they actually go down the spot. Just a spoiler, I think Chelsea's done more. To, to solidify their spot above them.
0: Matt, who do you have as your
1: fourth place team? Uh, not too much of a difference here. I got Manchester United. Um, so, I, you know, I, I agree a lot with what Logan said. I, I, don't think, I don't think any team, spoiler alert, I don't have any surprises in my top four, but I don't think any team outside of the top four did enough to raise themselves to a point where they might be better than one of the top four teams last year. So then, looking at the top four teams from last year, I think the team that is easily the, the lowest of those four is Manchester United. I know Van de Beek as well. You know, I don't see him as any type of game changer. I I don't think they'll play as well. I think some of their game style from the end of the year relied really did rely heavily on the penalty spot um so i I think Bruno Fernandez kind of comes down to earth a little bit too. I know he had a crazy in, entrance into the league, but i think eventually he's gonna slow down as well um and i i just I really don't like their defense I don't think they did I don't think it's a, an impressive defense and they did nothing to improve it unlike Chelsea did so i I gotta go them forth
0: so you said no surprises in your top four that means you don't have Copenhagen win in the first first place
1: <laughs> <laughs> no i unfortunately i don't i don't feel like i'm a very uh i don't think i'm gonna be super uh crazy on this podcast unfortunately
0: <laughs> for people that don't know copenhagen is a little bit of a a, a little bit of a joke for uh for matt harkrove and us here as he picked them to beat manchester united in that uh, europa league and he almost he almost had it right actually they they went uh, to, what, extra time? <laughs> oh,
1: boy. Uh, Yeah, I think it did. Was it a penalty? I, th- I think it was a penalty. Yeah, I think Crazy. so.
0: Um, so, this is going to be very boring. I have Manchester United fourth as well. I don't think that they've done enough to, you know, Chelsea's added all these players. So, I feel like Chelsea will, you know, th- th- Chelsea and United were level on points and just, uh, like, one or two off of goal differential... Uh, was it just one or two, or was it a lot? I don't know, but it was it was gold differential was the difference. And uh, I think that Chelsea has upgraded their team uh, enough that they will surpass Manchester United. And Manchester United, I don't think, has upgraded their team quite as much. That I think Chelsea will hover above them. And I guess I'll start here before we go back to Logan again. My third-place team is Chelsea. I have Chelsea in third. They were far away from Liverpool and Manchester City, and I think even with their additions, they, they get a little closer but not not near enough to really challenge for the title. Uh, how about you, Logan?
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I, Chelsea's Chelsea's added a lot. I mean, when you go out and add Havertz, who I think is going to end up being their best that they've added, um, when you add Thiago back in there, um, I, I just really like what Chelsea added to their side to them competitive and plus I think Lampard just being who he is the wizards with you know in the midfield and and just having that attack again um plus Chelsea has a ton of money so <laughs> it, it's scary to think how much more money they could spend but for now I've got him in third and not going much higher
0: Matt are you uh are you on the same train of thought here
1: Yeah um you know I I, I as as well agree Chelsea did improve themselves a crazy amount and they signed obviously some of the best players over in germany and it, it, it'll it be intriguing to see how they work with them i think initially in the season i do see chelsea struggling a bit um but i think once they start figuring out where each player can really play and make sure that they show what their strengths are in those positions i think that's when you're going to start seeing them take off and honestly there's there's not many teams better than Chelsea, even without those players. As you can see, last year, I mean, they came in third. Was it third? Did they come in third? Last year, I feel like that we they came were in a third place team, right?
0: Fourth, fourth. United
1: came in third,
0: yeah, by goal what difference. I think,
1: okay, so okay, so they. I mean, they still have then they still have the same point. so I, I'll still yeah. consider them basically in third place. But um, whatever makes you right. I do think they. <laughs> I do think they improve their defense um, Tiago Silva will be a big deal uh, Chilwell will also greatly improve them and I just read before this that they were, they're were they now rumored with another, another player, not the goalkeeper either from Wren I just saw a recently out to try to see if I can find that during the podcast but I believe it was another defender they are now getting linked with again and you know they they're just they're better I I don't think it's close between them and Manchester United I think if anything Chelsea are going to get close to my second place team which I will save for when we go over
0: All right so my second place team here is uh the same as last season Manchester City Sorry Logan
1: uh, okay.
0: uh I I think that uh you know, with the amount of points Liverpool won by, um, yeah, they haven't really added anybody as of note yet. Uh, I don't think City... I mean, City added what Fernand Torres, uh, and so far that's it. They're linked to other players. But I... And lost uh, Silva. Um, for me, uh, I m- maybe a different story if Messi had joined, but for me, I think that uh, Manchester City stay in second place. How about, uh, which, who's your second place, Logan?
2: Yeah, man, we are boring. I'm going to go with City again. Um, and I know, I think Matt actually might switch him uh, if I'm <laughs> reading his cues right. Um, so this will be interesting. Uh, I've got, the City fans got City uh, finishing second. Like you said, Jordan, they add Ake, they add Ferran Torres, but Ferran Torres oh, yeah, reminds Ake, me of when they, yeah. But he, he when adding Torres, he reminds me of when we added Mares takes him a couple of years to figure out how to play Premier League. Um, and, and he's played pretty well for the national team in Spain. But I, I think he, he's he got to find his, his feeding. And I think with all the spots that they have filled and the guys behind the spots that are filled, I just don't see where Torres makes an impact at all. So it's like adding nobody right now. Um, and then Ake, he'll play center back some. Um, they're going to try to... Fill him into that left back spot if I'm not mistaken it sounds like that's where he's headed in training he, they even threatened him um, in the central def, uh, defensive mid like I, I just don't see him being there he's just not he's not attack minded so I don't know what their thinking is with those two because pep uses his backs uh, to attack so I don't I, I don't know what city's doing <laughs> I think they feel confused um, they want to go out and add an attacker but they talk about Joao Felix they've talked about uh, just random people like Toro uh, Martinez just guys that like I don't know they just don't feel a uh, they don't you know they don't bring an impact they don't bring that intensity that, that City needs and with Aguero kind of being hurt all the time again I just don't feel like City's really improved they just seem to be stuck in mud and the messy stuff surely didn't help
0: alright Matt do we have do we all have the same
1: top four or,
0: or are you breaking it up here uh...
1: I'm gonna be breaking it up a little. I actually oh. struggled to, when Lo, when Logan said. I actually forgot I was on mute when Logan said. I think Matt's gonna change because I I did laugh, but that wasn't caught on on uh, <laughs> tape. But uh, I I hate saying it, but I, I have Liverpool second. Um, I don't know. it's hard for me to even like to say that cause obviously I don't want it to happen. Last year, I, I feel a lot went right. And Liverpool, honestly, they played well enough to where those things that went right went right for a reason. however, first, I can't get that forty three percent win rate in the from the month of february that's hard to that that is slightly hard to ignore, um, especially watching them play. They definitely looked as though teams had somewhat figured them out, and then again, it's not even the big teams it did look like even lower teams. You know the Watfords, Norwich played them really well. Um, Burnley played them well. They they struggled, and right now, as as what their depth and their roster currently show, does worry me that they can compete with with how shortened the season is, with five less weeks of of gameplay. At that point, you need depth, and right now. Liverpool's fourth string they, I mean, it sounds crazy but it's their fourth string center back but they're they're sounding content to use Fabinho who is a world class defensive mid and the thing that's it's scary is that the center backs in front of them are very injury prone so then if you're content with that you're going to take somebody out of position and then you're already low in position in midfield because you have a few injury prone midfielders and even up top, you know, you you do have a Origi and Shaqiri and Menomino, but, I mean, the only one that you could take off the bench there is Menomino and feel like he might do something. It, it is a little worrisome, and I think I what worries me is I don't want to see Liverpool, Liverpool at one point in the season have people go, well, they should have signed somebody or have somebody at the top go, you know, we we could have strengthened, but we really felt confident because I think building from a position of strength is what they should be doing at this moment, and it worries me that they haven't. After Even with everything happening, I still think it's something they should be looking at doing in the next month, but until they can, I just don't think they have the depth to compete with City.
0: Interesting. Uh, I have Liverpool first, no surprise there. Uh, since we just kind of talked about it a bit. Uh, I think even without the depth, I think that, uh, you know, I think City was a deeper team last year, and they still got trounced. So I I don't know. I, I think they have the best manager in the Premier League and maybe in the world right now that I think that helps overcome some of the obstacles, uh, you know, in, in, the, uh, in the course of the season. Logan, any last thoughts here on Liverpool before we move on to the relegation teams?
2: No, I think just adding the fact that I think City's got a lot of stuff that's going on on the outside of the pitch. Um, You know, everything seems to be racking up against them, and I think that I do. I think that the messy, you know, it has an you know an influence on the way they kind of play it out at the beginning of this year. Um, I just don't see it going well for City this year. Like I do feel like there's going to be a bigger gap again um, this year.
0: All right, we're going to be moving on to our relegated teams, the teams that we so, think are
1: going to be uh, relegated. Jordan. Yep. I just actually found the tweet. So it was from Fabrizio Romano. This is about Chelsea. Um, they're talking about Eduard Mendy, the goalkeeper from Rennes, and then he said that Declan Rice is still on the list as next target two. So i not sure how likely that is, but it sounds like, if anything, they might be looking at grabbing Declan Rice as well. Chelsea would. I believe I've heard that West Ham wants seventy million for him.
0: That's a drop in the bucket for Roman uh, Abramovich, so (laughs) I think I think that would be okay. Um, uh, Speaking of uh, West Ham, uh, I do have them in my relegated teams, but uh, let's start from the bottom. Let's start from uh, I have mine in order of twentieth through eighteenth. I'm not sure if you guys do, or if you just have three listed here. But the team that I think is going to be bottom of the league, I have Fulham in twentieth place. Um, uh, I I just, I think sometimes when you get up from the the bottom of the league, and Fulham is one of these teams that yo yos back and forth in between. I just don't have a lot of confidence that they'll stay up at all. Uh, Not a lot of, I'll tell you, not a lot of research has went into Fulham. For me, since yeah, you know, I researched them when we were doing the uh, the playoff uh, final, but haven't seen a lot of what they're doing outside of that. But uh, while they look good in the championship, I just don't know if it's enough, and if their squad is deep enough, and if you know if it's all good enough for them to stay up, when they're a team that historically can kind of in recent times yo-yo back and forth. There was. You know, that time period where they had Clint Dempsey, uh, where they were kind of really stable in, in the Premier League for a bit. But uh, that that era has really come and gone. Uh, I know they signed, I think, right, wasn't it Anthony Robinson that went there uh, to Fulham? And uh, Tim Ream is there. So they do have some Americans over there in the defense. But again, I just I just don't have a lot of faith in Fulham. Uh, Logan, if you don't have them ranked, just give us one of your teams, or if you think of it on the spot, who you think would be bottom of the league?
2: Yeah, so I I I can rank them easily. Um, Fulham was my 20th. I like you said, finishing fourth in the championship, um, and I do feel like the teams above them, all the teams above them, have done something significant. They added Lamina um, from South Southampton. Um, Harrison Reed from Southampton. But I think when you look at it, uh, you know, Mitrovic, um, and having talked to you guys about it and knowing some of his struggles after researching him um, in the Premier League, I just don't see this going well at all. Um, I definitely felt like they were one of the weaker sides in that playoff. Um, But, you know, played well in those those games. Um, Coming out of the restart, um, I think it's kind of like hitting the reset button. Played well, but I don't see this going well for them in the Premier League.
0: Matt, if you have a 20th-ranked team here, the team you think would be bottom of the league, who do you have?
1: I'm going to be incredibly crazy and go with Fulham. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fulham
0: fans hate us.
1: I was saying, <laughs> I, I honestly... I don't have any anything else that you guys haven't said. I just... They're not... They're not... Imp- nothing... Seems too impressive with them, um for, even from the championship. And they, even though they have added a few pieces, everything I've read, like Lamina is not sounds like he's just kind of a midfielder who just can't do anything well. He just kind of is there. He's a big name. I think he actually had some pretty big years, maybe four or five years ago. But they just, I, I don't see what they're gonna do. I, Mitrovic is not. I think, a great Premier League striker. I don't think he's going to do much in it. Um, And their backup is a guy that we was in the draft that I picked up, De Cordova-Reed, who I'm still trying to figure out more information on um, and haven't been too successful on that. But I struggle to see where they're going to get goals. I struggle to see if they're going to play football exciting enough that's going to get them somewhere in this league, and it just doesn't look like it's going to happen
0: uh just for your information from how they played in the championship i'm not sure if this is how they're going to play in the Premier league but reed played more of a false nine for them when Mitrovic was not in uh so i, I thought they looked how did you i i i found that from <laughs> i found that when i was uh preparing for the for the playoff game i i don't remember where i saw that but that's that's what I saw, and he did play that way, and they actually looked really, uh, you know, much better with him than Mitrovic, and I thought so.
1: Well, that's good. I'm at least excited to have him as one of my forwards.
0: Yeah. Um, relegation uh, place number nineteen in the league. I have Aston Villa. This is another team that kind of is always in the crosshairs of relegation though when i first started watching they were kind of near the top of the table back when i started watching when they had like ashley young um i don't think they escape relegation this year like they did last year by the skin of their teeth so i have them as uh, 19th place you know i think it's just one of those uh too many too many close calls how about you logan
2: yeah, I agree. When I was doing the, <laughs> this is boring, um, the 19th spot, I do have somebody in the in the next spot. I think that's surprising. But um, And in the 19th, I've got Aston Villa because they were, They were, I think they ended up like four or five points just getting by um at the skin of their teeth. They don't really add anybody interesting, in my opinion, um, Matty Cash. Um, he's a right back. Um, don't know who he is, but after researching him, I don't think he's the answer on defense and I'm pretty sure they uh I want to say that they were 19th in the league when they conceded goals. Yeah, 1.8 goals a match. Um 19th in the league. Uh and I think you're right Jordan, I just don't think um that this goes well for them this year. They don't get through uh like they did. And then I think Jack Grealish is this is his last year for Villa. Uh
0: before we move on the mat, I do want to say that uh they had made it by 1 point last year. They finished with 35, and Bournemouth had 34. And that was, like, the last day of the league, I think, they they managed to stay up. Um, So, yeah, very, very close call for them last year. They were in, like, the relegation zone for a long time, and then Bournemouth fell into it. And Aston Villa went on a good run of games where they only had one loss in their last five, and they had two wins, two draws that kept them up. Um, uh, Before we – okay, Matt, uh, who do you have in 19th?
1: You know, I just, I got to follow the leaders here. I'm going, uh, going Aston the Villa. <laughs> um, Maybe this episode I, yeah, won't be as I, long again. as I
0: thought, if we're all agreeing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, Logan touched on, I, mean, I mean, both of you guys touched on a lot of the same, uh, a lot of the points that I would kind of go with. They just, they really, they barely made it last year. And, and in full honesty, I, I think, if Watford would have had a better draw toward the end. Watford had a few rough games against top teams. I actually could have seen Watford staying up ahead of Villa. So I do kind of think Watford having those rough games might have affected that. But I just, you know, they won signing, like Logan said, Matty Cash, you know, that's their big signing. And to be fully honest, I don't think it's going to happen, but you always hear Grealish could end up moving on. And if, if he were to, I don't think it's going to happen this year. But if he were to, I don't think they have, would have the time to even bring in somewhat suitable replacements at this point. Um, and at this point, he's really their only big threat. So if something happens to him, they, they could even end up in 20th at that point
0: all right so moving on to my last relegated team the 18th place and for me this is really a toss-up uh you know west brom was one of those teams that also got promoted they could very well go down but i have west ham uh going down uh they finished 16th last year missed relegation by just five points survived by just five points and um I don't, I, I'll tell you what really made me put them in here. As I saw a very bad preseason goal that they gave up yesterday um, where the other team was just passing the ball like crazy and, and their defense just kind of got torn apart and just let them kind of do whatever they wanted. And it was one of those things where I was like, you know, they didn't look sharp last year and I just don't think they have it in them. Uh, they barely survived. And I could see a team like, West Brom staying up while West Ham uh, goes down. How about you, Lugs?
2: Yeah, so I'm going for a shocker here. I'm going to go for a ground rattling shot. I'm going with uh, Arsenal. (laughs) No, um, (laughs) no, but I am going. I'm going for somebody that I don't think people think could fall down that way. Um, They did finish nine points clear um, of relegation this year. Not a ton, but. I think Crystal Palace uh, is set up to where I don't think one I think they're gonna be fighting for their lives this year um, last year they got they got up um, nine points clear and and kind of hovered there towards the end but I think when you look at it, I was looking at so this is when I was doing that dead end thing on Hodgson's uh, or Hodgson yeah Hodgson um, yeah when I was doing research on them, you're talking about like uh, an awful attack um, one that I think was surprising to look at when you had a team in 14th I think they were finishing last year um, 19th on targets 20 big or 20th on big uh, chances created um, big chances missed 26 or they were 20th then goals per match 19th um, and when you look at it they do add easy um, but I think you know, having a having their leader leading score be nine with Jordan Ayu, I just don't I don't see where they're gonna find it this year. Um and I think I'm going out on a limb and saying that they they go falling down to the championship at the end of the year.
0: All right. Interesting. Well, that's our first divergence for a long time here. Uh how about you, Matt? Who do you have in eighteenth?
1: Uh, you know, I figure I'll be different here than both of you guys. Um, I will go, well, I am going with West Brom. Um, yeah, I, I kind of see them in the same realm as the Fulham team. I, the yo-yoing from championship, premier league, championship, premier league, they, they've been here before. And I just don't think they limped to the end of the championship against some fairly weak teams. Um, and I, they got kind of lucky that Brentford decided that they wanted to play worse. Um, But, you know, they did, they kept a few players on loan here. Matthews uh, Pereira and Grady Diangana. I'm probably butchering those names, but um, they were able to bring those guys back actually on permanent deals, which will help. But I, I don't think, I I actually kind of, uh, (laughs) I kind of thought Logan was going to go palace when uh, he said that he was going to though, so for one, that might not be too uh, too surprising. I was, I think it's a little rude to relegate Winnie the Pooh Bear and Tiggle and all of them <laughs> from the restaurant, but um, uh, the I honestly, so I, I'm kind of in the same I, I'm pretty much in the same boat, though, as you, Jordan, with, with both West Ham and West Brom. I think they'll be fighting at, for, for the most part the whole entire season between that 18th and 17th spot. Um, and I actually think I think Leeds is going to be down there as well, but I do think they they play exciting enough uh, football, and I think they'll have enough talent to get themselves clear up more toward the 15, 16 range. But West Brom, for me, is just you know if they keep if they stay up, good for them. But I just don't see them doing enough from this transfer transfer window and what other teams in the Premier League are going to probably be able to do to them in general. Um, they're going to end up 18th.
0: To Logan's point, too, the last five games for Palace uh, that had uh, one draw and four straight losses, so they didn't end the season on a great note.
2: I'll look like an expert if I get that right,
0: <laughs> and that's why people listen. Um,
2: right. Matt, Matt, don't you have a
1: friend that's a Palace fan too? Yeah, he's in the he's in our fantasy league. Andrew, no, he's going. I really actually not like. It. I I actually um I I do enjoy Zaha. I think. He, I do worry that him and IU being the only attacking threats is generally what happens. But Palace tends to have good stretches throughout the year where they all of a sudden win, draw a good six, seven games in a row. And that tends to be enough in the end um, to, to keep a team up when it comes down to those, those bottom tier teams. But I, I like the, how do you, how do you say, is it EZ? The, a, 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 easy? Easy. I do like that. Right signing there. I think, I do like that signing, and I, I do think they, they have the talent to stay in the Premier League. I think they're still going to gonna end up in that 14, 15, you know, if things go bad, maybe 16 range. But I, I think they stay pretty safe.
0: All right. Going over to our Golden Boot winners here. This, th- these are really shots in the dark here. This is where it gets tough. You know, you can kind of predict top four in relegation, but I think Golden Boot, uh, it's it's hard to tell. For me, I chose Aubameyang. He has the history of winning it. I also think he uh, is happy there now um, with Arteta, and I think that uh, he's going to score more goals this year. So I actually have him with 24 goals, Uh, Aubameyang winning the Golden Boot. I think it only takes 24 this year. How about you, Logan? Do you have a Golden Boot winner?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go with Sadio Mane. let see if the old Liverpool guy can keep me up there. I, I think, I honestly do. I think that Liverpool, um, un unlike Matt, I think, I think Liverpool adds a, a midfielder, um, and I think it is Thiago. Um, he's a little bit more pessimistic about it, um, but uh, I think that adding him to that mix, and I think Mane gets more chances this year. Um
0: and I think he ends up winning golden boot. I'm gonna go with twenty-three. All right. Uh how about uh,
1: how about you, Matt? Uh golden boot. I'm gonna go opposite of Mane is Mohamed Salah. I think um one of my reasons is if Liverpool do tend to go into a four two three one, Salah is gonna most likely be the striker up top with Firmino behind him. Uh so I believe if they go into that formation more often, especially if they get Thiago, I think that's going to be pretty common. I think that's going to give him most likely his next, his second best. He's not going to replicate his first season with Liverpool, but I, I could see him, I'm going to say Salah, going for 25 goals this year, mainly due to that that formation change they're looking at.
0: Interesting. Uh, Player of the Year. So this is the PFA Player of the Year, which I think was just won by... Was that won by Henderson
1: this year? He, he won... I think he won the the Writers, but I want to say... Good oh, Warner okay. Won. Yeah, uh, I was going to say KDB. I don't think they've announced the winner yet.
0: Yeah, it's what I couldn't find. I saw just uh, VVD for, uh, uh-huh. for 2019, 2020. But, I mean... No, the other way. 2018,
1: 2019. Yeah, I, but, I think... Henderson won the writers, but I believe they just came out with the finalists for the, for the, um, I'm blanking. You just said it and I, I feel like me can't think of what it was for who the player,
2: of the the, year.
0: P, the PFA player of the year. Yeah. I don't think That's they've, it, yeah. yeah, I guess they haven't announced it yet. That's strange. They should have by now. Uh, but let's take a guess. Let's take a guess for this upcoming season. I have who might win it this year then, I guess. I have Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, I, I, while I do think that Liverpool still win the title, I think uh, De Bruyne, you know, he's Mr. Consistent pretty much in the Premier League right now. So that's who I have. Uh, Logan, who would be your player of the year going, uh, if everything works out the way that you have it set up
2: here? Uh, Lionel Messi, but that's not going to work. Um So I think I think Kevin De Bruyne, like you said, he's just I think he's automatic. I mean, not automatic to win it, but he's just he's so reliant. Um, And, you know, he had an injury before, but I don't I don't see him getting injured. He's so, you know, the way he plays doesn't really suit an injury. Um, But I think you're right. I think he's got uh, he's got that corner marked for right now. Um, I think he remains at the top.
0: All right, Matthew. Who do you have as Player of the Year, if everything works out uh, as glad. you have listed?
1: I mean, I'm I'm glad you guys didn't say Granit at Jaka because I mean I, that was one of my my thoughts. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, honestly, I gotta I gotta agree with you guys with Kevin De Bruyne. He's there's something he is probably the one player. He's easily the only player on City that I would, I think I would prefer Liverpool to have, and he's also a Liverpool fan. Um, but some of the passes that he's able to make and the assists and his free kicks also are something I noticed last year where I think I saw him take maybe only two or three free kicks the whole year from watching City games. And I was like, this one's going in. And no matter what, it always went in. It was like perfect. I don't know how he does it, but he's he's probably the perfect footballer right now (laughs) in the Premier League. And I just don't, as much as I would like to say so if he does go off and score 25 goals, I still think De Bruyne is going to end up with double-digit goals, double-digit assists, and I just don't think you can have a player do that and not get have them be player of the year.
0: All right, manager of the year. So, yes, in my scenario here, I have Liverpool winning. I have Manchester City second. But I'll tell you, my manager of the year is not Pep. It's not Klopp. I have it down to two people here, and I don't know which one to pick. I have Arteta and I have Lampard. Okay, so if all the signings work out well and and Chelsea get close to second place, I think Lampard gets it. If Arteta gets to where I think they can get to, which is in my storylines coming up here, which is, you know, like fifth, I think Arteta could really have a good shot at winning it just for the turnaround uh, that th- that they've had and we'll go a little bit more into uh, one of my storylines here is Arteta's arsenal. So those are my, if I have to lean, which one's more likely, probably the Lampard pick, but I, my dark horse here is uh, Arteta. How about you, Logan?
1: Oh man.
2: Um, so this is tough because uh, you know, reading through and, and I do want to pick Lampard. I think like that, that makes sense. Um, and, and I think the way that they play this year is definitely going to be improved. However, I am going to say that Sheffield United even improves on their last run, which I believe they finished ninth. Um, And Chris Wilder is who I'm going to pick because he was runner-up, in my opinion, as far as um, this year. Um, And I think that, you know, having read, because I'm reading them now, I'm reading a lot about Sheffield now because I'm getting ready to do their graphic, but um, I, I think that they do improve. I think they move up eight to seven. Um, and he just seems to have what it takes to get players to play the way that he needs to um and he's he's he is harsh not giving that he he he's known for getting on players, but I think with the younger side that he usually has, I think that that's that's pretty important
0: all right, Matt, your manager of the year
1: sure. see i i'm gonna have to say pep, and, and the reason why I think that is that. I do believe the top three are going to be pretty close this year. I don't think you're going to see any team run away with it, so, uh, as Liverpool did last year. And so I, I do believe the team that comes out on top when it comes down to those three is going to end up getting the manager of the year. So with taking City to win, I'd have to say Pep's going to end up winning it. I, I mean, I could even see the, the title going down to the final day of the season at this rate with, with those three teams. Um I do I do like the thought of uh Chris Wilder, because uh, <laughs> Sheffield seems to be like a fun team. I just I do wish I do think he probably deserved it, um, in a sense this past year. I actually do, because taking a, a promoted team all the way to ninth is is an incredible task. And I know Esposito I think did something similar with Wolves the year he came up. So I, I think a lot of people wanna see um Something happened with Leeds, too, with Marco Bielsa. But when it comes down to those top three teams, I think it's got to go to the one that wins the league, and that's Pep Pep for me. Unless he gets messy. (laughs) All
0: right. All right. Moving on to our top three stories here. Um, uh, I I guess I'll go first here. My first story I just alluded to, so we'll just segue right into that. Uh, Miguel Arteta's... Uh, you know, Mikel Arteta's uh, arsenal. Uh, I have a pretty fun graphic here that I'm going to talk about here that I saw. So in Arteta's first 17 Premier League matches, his record was seven wins, six draws, and four losses. That's 27 points, only 17 goals conceded, and 26 goals scored. Now, we'll take a look at somebody else who came in and had 17 first Premier League matches, and that's Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. Six wins, five draws, six losses. That's 23 points, 25 goals conceded, and 24 goals scored. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Liverpool had really bad defense when Klopp took over. But let me tell you about Arteta's arsenal and their defense when Unai Emery was there, okay? When Unai Emery was fired They played 13 games and had a minus one goal differential and were in eighth place. Uh, Then Freddie Lumberg took over, former Chicago Fire legend. Uh, (laughs) He's also an Arsenal player, but uh, just love to throw that in there. When Arteta was hired, they were in 11th place. He took them up to eighth. Uh, So while, you know, they were in eighth when Emery was fired, they went down to 11th. He brought them back up to eighth, but they had a plus eight goal goal differential. So he did a... He did a plus nine turnover there on the goal difference, uh, which is amazing, especially when you have David Luiz in the back uh, (laughs) as well. Um, And uh, I I don't know. I feel really good. I think Leno's not going to be – I think Leno's going to lose his job uh, to uh, Martinez. Uh, People are really talking up Martinez in goal for Arsenal, so I'm feeling really good about that draft pick of mine. And uh, let's not forget, they just won the FA Cup. They beat Chelsea in the FA Cup. They beat Liverpool in the Community Shield, even though Liverpool didn't really take the penalties all that seriously. I think that they can get fifth or sixth, which I think would be a huge improvement from last season, even though it's only two or three places. We're talking about difference in the table of... uh, Almost six to eight points uh, difference. So, I I think that he could he could win manager of the year, especially if they get in the top four. I don't think they will get in the top four, but uh, I I think there's uh if they did, I mean I I feel like uh you know United would probably be the one losing out on that. But I, I think there's hope for Arsenal fans. I you know I know some people were looking at Arteta and saying, well, he's not all that great, but really, I mean. My whole point with the Arteta and Klopp stats here is that it takes time, right? If if we went by Klopp's first seventeen games, if you, and and they're being worse than Arteta's first seventeen games, then obviously Klopp could be fired if people are calling for Arteta to be fired. Uh, so so it, it's just or or saying he's underperforming, you know, whichever they're saying at this point. I've seen multiple things on Twitter already uh you know just based off preseason even though they just won two trophies it, it's one of those things where i think that when you look at not only have they won two trophies but the improvement in the team as a whole i think that the players are happy to be there now uh, i think that there's a real chance that they can make a good run and there's a storyline to look out for uh logan give us one of your stories
2: Yeah, so uh, my first one is, and it's building off of, and I'm sorry for any Newcastle fans that are out there. um, It is building off of that story. And I wasn't following it as closely. I mean, I'd heard about it, and I I knew it shook Twitter um, because I was getting constant, like, tweets on my feed about it. Um, And then I was listening to a video before this. And so those of you that don't know or that haven't listened to the situation, so uh, the Saudi group, You know, the Saudi Arabia's uh, crown prince, Muhammad bin Salman, um, and Amanda Stavely, um, who's a businesswoman from England, I believe. Um, They were going in together um, as this is Consortium, um, which is basically these businesses going in and providing um, a a takeover. Um, And they were going into uh, Newcastle with a 300 million uh, pound. Uh, bid. And um, one thing that I found that was interesting was, you know, going through the bylaws and going through different things through FIFA and through the Premier League. um, And I didn't know who he was. I didn't know who the crown prince was um, until this. But they have a huge problem with Saudi um, run clubs, um, especially if it's got to do with their government entities, because of the the constant battles that they have with human rights. Um, They've got uh, issues with piracy. Um, they were talking about uh, when the Premier League, if they were on, because they would be, if that that club is owned um, by the Saudi government, pretty much, um, that they would be on TV. And the only way that the Saudis get uh, Premier League games is pirated networks owned by the Saudi government. Um, so obviously, you got a huge problem there. You got that conflict of interest. Um, Newcastle uh, is. Uh, the the owner's name's escaped me. Ashley um, is currently trying to find bidders still. Um, and he wants to take over. They said that the bad thing about this falling through, and I, this was nuts to me. Um, he said that the guy on Sky Sports said that if the Saudi government had, or the Saudi government had taken over, um, if Mohammed had taken over, they would have been 15 times richer than Manchester city. Um, which like sh- like blows my mind. I mean, just think about who they could have brought in or what they could have done with that. Um, and they did say that whoever is going to come forth and, and want stake or want ownership in that in that team in that club, um, they're going to have to fork over right around that three hundred million mark. Um, otherwise, it's just not going to happen. They do have new bidders looking at them. Bellagraph Nova Group um, is interested in coming in, uh, and they're Singapore backed. Um, They said that if they were to take over, their first target would be Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, It's just fascinating to read about all the money. Um, And Mike Ashley clearly wants out. He's been trying to get out of this. It's been a headache. Um, The Newcastle fans are not thrilled with him. Uh, Every time I go on Twitter, it's ugly if if you Google his name or Twitter his name um it's just it's just a really horrible situation
0: they've never liked
2: (laughs) right right so it's been a long time right it's just horrible because it's like i feel really bad for the fans like the fan and jordan you you alluded to the fact that like on reddit and stuff they were going absolutely nuts when this fell through um it's horrible that this has fallen through because that would have been such a huge chunk of cash coming in um and they could have gone through and, and maybe have climbed up all the way up to the top up near us um, over the couple of years or three or four years, you know, just pumping money into that. But now it just doesn't seem likely. And it does seem that whoever is going to take over won't have the cash necessarily to take them where they wanted to go. But, uh, you know, I think it's an interesting storyline to follow because there's constantly bidders coming through trying to see if they can wiggle their way into owning that team.
0: Yeah. Everybody wants a piece of the UPL at this point. All right, especially Newcastle, a historic club. Um, you know they they were once uh, you know challenging for those uh, you know titles a long time ago. Okay, Matt, your first storyline of the 2020 season.
1: I'm um, so I'm intrigued to see with Tottenham and Jose Mourinho, how's their second season going to be going with them? I know he joined uh, middle of last year, but. Jose Mourinho, with, besides his time at Manchester United, has always won the league title in his second season with the club since taking over Porto in 2002. Uh, so in regards to that, you would be thinking that they'd have a good shot at being in the top four, maybe even fighting, fighting for at least a, a share or a, a shot at the title. Um, and Mourinho is one of the most decorated managers, in the entirety of European in European soccer. But Tottenham themselves, if you look at their, the last, just in general, how they've been performing in the last few years, you know, they did have a good stretch here in the Premier League uh, from three years to five years ago. They were coming in third, second, third, uh, especially the year with Leicester winning. Uh, They're were, they were right there at the end. But in general, they just don't, they can never get over that, that line to whether it's the Premier League, whether it's the FA Cup, the Carabao Cup, European uh European League. They're just constantly falling short. Um, I know, you know, they came as runner up in the Champions League against Liverpool a couple of years ago, uh, but they haven't won a trophy since two thousand eight. And that trophy was just the, the Carabao Cup or the EFL Cup, which however it was getting called back in two thousand eight. So they, it's been so long, and you know, as a team, they haven't really been doing a whole lot in the transfer market the last few years as well. Um, you know, this this past year, their big signings have been Matt Doherty, who is a right back for coming over from Wolves, who will be an improvement on their team. But I mean, then they also brought in Emil Hoiberg, who came from Southampton. Um, But everything else has been pretty, pretty low. You know, you got Joe Hart coming in on a free transfer as well to be their backup. But in general, Tottenham's just been pretty underwhelming, um, especially how they started last year. You would think with some of the talent on that team, you've got Huingman's son and and Lucas Mora and Harry Kane. Uh, They brought in Ndombele. uh, And I know that they've been looking at trying to get rid of him. Uh, I can believe Inter's been a big big rumor for him possibly going over there. And he was one of their biggest signings um, in their, I think that was their biggest signing ever. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they, they've, they have brought in the occasional few players, but when you look at some of their team, they, it's not a bad lineup. When you look at it, you know, they had Christian Erickson and they couldn't get over the hump with him. So he decided to try to go somewhere else to see what he can do. And he kind of, it almost felt like he was, Pushed almost out of the club to to an extent, and you know he's an incredibly talented midfielder who really should not have been getting sold uh, for a team that wants to make those serious moves toward winning trophies. But you are so it vain that like they can never <laughs> <laughs> talking yourself um, up over there but it's just crazy to to see it and you know when he got hired Jose Mourinho I I was actually kind of shocked he he went to Tottenham because it doesn't it's almost like Ancelotti going over to, to Everton because he's a big name going to a team that never really has anything big happen for them you know he's not going to a top two three side in a in a country for their league and you kind of hope he can bring them up to that and you know, looking here, Mourinho is just dominated when he goes to teams. Manchester United was a disaster, though. I mean, but he still, to an extent, he still won Europa. He still won the EFL Cup, uh, and you know, at this point, winning Europa would be a huge thing for Tottenham at this time. And you know, it would be interesting to see if he can actually take this team and hopefully give Harry Kane something to to stay there for. Because, in you know, all honesty, if if they don't do something i can't see harry kane staying after this season he's gonna have to try to go somewhere and and win trophies and make a bigger name for him whether it's it's just a new challenge just to try to win a league win a, a tournament win a european league so if they don't end up top four or challenging for at least the fa cup or europa i just can't see harry kane wanting to stay there and. and you know, if Harry Kane leaves, I just I think you're going to see Totten fall even further into that mid-tier. I can't see Mourinho staying. Uh, you know, he likes to, obviously, he's one of those managers that seemingly just doesn't get along or just doesn't want to stay places incredibly long because he just hops around everywhere. But, you know, it, it's really going to be a big season for them to see what they can do. And if it doesn't go, if it doesn't go better than I think what they're projected at at this point, it could end up causing tottenham to end up a, mid, a, a very average mid-tier mid-table side fighting for top 10 at that point because those players that they have on that team aren't going to want to continue just basically barely doing well in any any competition
0: I'll tell you how it's gonna go with with Mourinho, His second season at Tottenham. It's not gonna go well at all. You, you, you,
1: you've, got a, you've got a lot of expertise with Chelsea. Yes. Um. I I honestly like I I'm not a big fan of the guy. I think just because I hated how cocky he seemed when he was on Chelsea. But you know he he kind of grew on me a little when he left Manchester United. And you know I know he was a, a bit of an analyst uh, for some games and watching him he, he did seem a little bit more personable and i think tottenham's kind of a tottenham is the type of challenge i think someone like pep needs to almost go under is is to go to a team that isn't a, a top 2 3 side in their in their league consistently that doesn't have buckets of money to spend and see what they can really do and so it will be kind of fun to see can Mourinho take a team like this and maybe bring them to challenge top four, top three, you know, maybe get them to Europa finals, win it, you know, get them to an FA Cup final and win it. It'll just kind of be fun to see a, a manager of that caliber trying to take a team that is probably lower than what he is and see what he can do with them.
0: Yeah, uh I liked Jose. I especially liked him. You know, when I started watching, I think he was already pretty much gone from Chelsea the first time, and he was at Madrid, and I I did not like Barcelona, so I was always rooting for his Real Madrid side to beat Barcelona. Um, And then, uh, you know, the rumors kicked in that he might be coming back to Chelsea, and that was exciting, and for the first year or so, it was exciting, and then things fell apart. And uh, then the same exact thing pretty much happened at United. And I think the same exact thing is going to happen at Donham. I think he's not going to be able to get any money spent. I don't think that that's going to help him at all. And I think he's, um, I do like, like you said, that he's going to a team that, you know, people didn't think he would take this job. Uh, I remember when it was rumored, I think people were like that team's too low of a team for him. But I, I do like that he did that. You know, he won the, you know, uh, Champions League as a Porto manager in 2004. That's how he got the Chelsea job. So he can definitely take teams that are not, you know, big giants. And uh, But that's pretty much what his jobs have been recently because he did so well with Porto, he got the Chelsea job. Then he did so well at Chelsea, he got the, uh, the, uh, well, I guess it was Inter Milan job. Then he got the Madrid job. Then he got the Chelsea job. Then he got the United job, and now he's at Tottenham. But like you said, Pep is going to the top two or the top one every single uh like when he came to city they were they they were the best already uh when he went to yeah. Munich, they were the best already Barcelona, you know he got that job from being the Barcelona uh, B team uh, coach so but at that point he already had a really talented squad so I don't know I think Mourinho, I think he uh maybe this season's gonna be the good season for them, and it falls apart next year, but it's coming. <laughs> um I'm going to go ahead here and say my second storyline here is Leeds United. We kind of talked a little bit about them. Uh just as a history lesson here. This is their first time in the Premier League since 2004 when they were relegated. But people may not realize how good Leeds United were. Let's just say 2001 they finished fourth place in the Premier League and made the semis of the of the UEFA Champions League and lost to Valencia. Uh, so they were they were a pretty legit side. A few years later, they're relegated. Then they go through managers, they go through owners, tons of owners, tons of managers. They got new ownership in 2017, and eventually they settled on uh, Marcelo Bielsa as their manager. Bielsa coached Chile in 2010 World Cup. He's also coached teams like uh Marseille, uh Lille, um uh Lazio. I think he coached for 2 days before he quit. Uh <laughs> but um uh he, he's most famous for the formation of the 3-3-3-1 formation, which is an attacking formation. It's very compact. It's suited for midfield domination and ball possession. Uh But a lot of the times now with with leads, he's playing a 4-1-4-1 with Calvin Phillips playing box-to-box midfielder. When they move to the 3-3-3-1, Phillips is playing more of a sweeper role in the far uh, central uh, defense, playing sweeper. So uh, they're known for their pressing. Uh, He's coached uh, Ponchettino. Uh, He's coached... uh, uh, um, Oh, what were some of the other players he's coached? Uh, but he, he's influenced. uh, you know, he's influenced Pep Guardiola, who called him the best manager, uh, at one point here. He, oh yeah, he, he's influenced Diego Simeone as well. Matias Almeida, who coaches, uh, San um, Jose earthquakes, uh, Pellegrino. I mean, he, and, uh, Pep Guardiola, right here cited his tactical inspiration and called him the best manager in the world back in twenty twelve. Jorge Sam uh who just coached Sevilla to a um uh to the Champions League. Right? Did, was that uh oh no no okay. He coached Sevilla to a champion uh, to a Europa League in twenty sixteen though. Uh I believe back then but yeah now he coaches for some uh uh Brazilian team yeah but yeah he he's coached tons of players he's influenced tons of managers now it's uh he's coached Bilbao he he's been everywhere um yeah Lazio I think I think I read here he was literally coached for two days yeah July sixteenth, uh July 6th of 2016 he was appointed manager of Lazio two days later on July 8th he quit <laughs> I don't sure. know why uh he said that he he was unable to recruit the players he wanted by the deadline he had given the club and did not feel that his needs would be supported during the transfer window and bolted, but here's his record here as a Leeds United manager, a hundred games played fifty six wins, eighteen draws twenty six losses with a fifty six percent uh win percentage so uh, they play well. They they played really great the year before last season as well, last season, uh, but then they kind of fell apart last season. They won the league. Some critics always argue that the demands of uh, Bielsa's management style will lead to his team starting brightly before starting to tire out and get worn out. That didn't happen this season. We don't know if that's because of the long break. You know, that's the kind of thing where you don't know how that how that you know four month COVID layoff uh, played into that, or if that is uh, just, or if his team is now just accustomed to playing that way that they're not going to falter. I guess we won't really know until this season and see how they play. Uh, how about you, Logan? Your second storyline?
2: Yeah, so I'm I'm going to go with Everton um, and the uh, pretty much I, I call it this the, the, they're stale. Um, I, I just feel like. And I talked to Matt earlier about this. I just feel like they're a collection of pieces and they're random pieces. Um, so one thing that, uh, you know, going through this, the, the first thing that I noticed um, was there was such a huge uh, separation between fan base and um, the team as far as signings is concerned, obviously. Um, their midfield is is very old. <laughs> um, they were talking about how the average midfield Age, I think it's like 29, 30, right around that age. Um, and they were talking about, you know, Tom Davies, uh, Andre Gomez, uh, Gilby Sigurdsson, and then Morgan Schneiderlin, who left. Um, how awful their midfield had been. Um, and you look back through uh, some of their player ratings and stuff, and Sigurdsson was was the best of the bunch, and he wasn't great. Had some good... Matches, but other than that, not really anything to be that jumps out at you. Um, So then they go out this, you know, this transfer window and they go out and add midfield pieces. Um, They add Allen uh, for 25 million. They add um, James Rodriguez today. I think it was 22 um, million. Uh, And then they're going to go in and um, Zakuri. I think, you know, that you add him from Watford. And you're adding more of that, you know, midfield that that can do something um, a little bit better than the last group. But again, I was looking back at their average age. <laughs> Allen's 29. Uh, James is 29. Um, you've got Dukuri, who's 27. So you're not, again, you're, you're adding these older pieces that I just don't, I don't see their fit. I don't see how they play with each other. One, because James Rodriguez, I think he's played eight matches in the last like two years or about a year and a half or so, he hardly ever played uh, at Real. He, he, you know, he was, you know, ineffective there Um, ever since the world cup, people have, you know, raved about him, but I I haven't seen it translate necessarily to the domestic league. Um, Especially you add him here into the premier league with Everton, who's already a mess in the midfield. They wanted more of a defensive midfield. I don't think you got it with those three. Um, I, I think, When you talk about teams that just seem to be stuck in mud, they are probably number one. Um, That comes to mind for clubs that don't know how to spend money. Um, They spend it, but they don't know what to spend it on. When they do spend it, it doesn't seem like it's very good. Um, And when you think about the best of the bunch, they're talking about Allen as being the best of the bunch in this group, and you look at him side-by-side with Sigurdsson, and he's no improvement. If not – if you know, he's, he didn't play as many matches, but he's definitely – I mean, he might be a slight improvement um, on paper, but, you know, looking at the stats and looking at the chances created and looking at the different things uh, that Sigurdsson provides, he's not any better. Uh, he's just status quo. Um, and I think that's a big issue for Everton. I think that they're wanting to look on the bright side. Oh, my gosh, we're signing all these people. This is great. But, again, I don't think they know how to spend money. And I don't think their fans – Get it? They feel like I feel like they're always blindsided by the fact that they're just so average because it's just they're just not good signings. I I don't get why you want a 29-year-old midfielder who hadn't played but eight matches in the last two years or whatever it's been. I I don't get the need for replacing the older midfield with the same-age midfield that you were complaining about being like. It doesn't make any sense to me. I was listening to one of their fan channels. It's like the Toffee Club or something like that. I, and they were talking about how much better they've gotten, how much they're going to be improved with James Rodriguez and and DeCourie. I just don't see it, I guess. I, I don't see them going anywhere but, like, right where they are. Um, so, again, I think it's going to be another really disappointing year. Um, Ancelotti had a better go at it um, when he took over in December. He went. He, he won eight. Uh, lost seven and drew seven, 31 points, in 22 games. And I think they ended with like 45, I want to say. So, you know, I think it's much more improved, but I, I, I don't see the team actually being improved. I think you're just getting Everton the exact same thing that they were last year, in my opinion.
0: All right. Interesting. Uh, Matt, what's your uh, second storyline here?
1: Yeah. So, for another storyline, I'm kind of intrigued, and it's just a, a general Premier League uh, storyline, really, is that I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how the schedule congestion really changes the league or affects teams or how it's going to change everything getting played. Um, you know, there's already been a couple of updates. The, the league itself is, is five weeks shorter due to the, the late uh, finish of last season. So normally, I, I believe at this point, normally we would have already had a good three, four games uh, for Premier League teams, usually I believe around early August. And so they're already starting late, but they're still ending at about the same time. Uh, they're also removing their winter break that occurs in February. That's been uh, scrapped. You have no more FA Cup replays. Uh, Carabao Cup semifinals are now one leg. You know, they're basically having to get every single... They're not changing really the season schedule, whether it's determined by Cup games, Premier League games, and then you have to throw in the European games for some teams. There's going to be so many fixtures being played, and we saw it last year Liverpool at one point had two games in 24 hours where one game was played at Aston Villa while the other one was being played in the Middle East for the Club World Cup. And at the time, it almost seemed like there was a, it was impossible to see something like this happen. And then Liverpool got almost blasted by a good amount of people, a good amount of analysts for starting a youth team against Villa, stating that they didn't respect the Carabao Cup enough to to play with their senior players, and they should have just sent some players over to the Middle East for the Club World Cup. Um, and you saw that with Liverpool and how, how hard that was for it to occur. And, and even then, in December, I believe Liverpool had about 10 games in a 31-day month, uh, month. And this year, it's almost going to become expected to have basically weeks where you play in midweek, you play weekend, you play midweek, weekend, and it's just going to keep happening. And how is that going to affect whether it's the big teams, you know the top six, big teams the main six teams, how's it going to affect the smaller teams? you know they already got rid of the five substitution rule. They did officially decide that that was not going to be happening this year, which to an extent I was, as a Liverpool fan i did I was actually pretty happy with that because I do believe it can help the teams like City and Chelsea who are obviously Liverpool's biggest rivals. Keep them a little bit more on par with Liverpool since you can only use those three bench players instead of sending out half a new team, which that's what the five was going to give you. But, you know, as a soccer fan itself, I think the five subs is something that could have that definitely could assist in a year like this, especially for the lower teams where, you know, their squad depth is not going to be as as big as some of these other teams so they are going to have a lot more youth players most likely playing throughout this year um, due to tired legs and it's it's going to be interesting to see if if teams start having bigger dips in the middle of the season are they gonna have times where you know you're just gonna is it gonna make the league closer because you do have all these teams playing these games in the same amount of time and then especially the bigger teams because they are going to have at some point, you're going to see teams playing EFL games. They're going to be playing FA Cup games. They're going to be playing European games. They're going to be playing Premier League games. And, you know, that's going to, that, that is going to take its toll. Whether or not teams want to assume that, it is going to take its toll. And I, I just want to see, is it going to make the league more competitive to an extent? Is it going to make it more, maybe even less competitive in a weird way where it just assists the better teams? You know they could be better. Uh, you know, trying to get the word, but they could be more acclimated to having to handle these these volume of games because these players do tend to do this more often. You know, or you know, it's just it is interesting. And there's even an example for um, Tottenham is actually already getting close to a point where before the season's even started, they're going to have this this incredible congestion of of games because they actually enter Europa League at the second qualifying stage, which is September 17th. And then there's, it's the start of a three-match bid to reach the group section. And so they're going to also have qualifying matches scheduled for the 24th of September and the 1st of October. Um, But they also had to, to, uh, they have the Carabao Cup third round, which starts the week of September 21st. And so they are basically, if they win these games, they will be scheduled to play two tournaments in the same midweek at this point. And European dates can't be moved. uh, So the EFL dates is the one that would probably have to get moved around, but they're basically stating that at this point, they're probably going to be looking at the exact same scenario Liverpool had where they have two games in a span of two days. And it's almost like this is going to be something that's, going to have to be watched throughout the entire year to see these teams go through it and i'm i just want to see if it how how does it really affect the season um i i'm, I'm excited to see all these games because it means we're constantly going to have soccer on <laughs> especially for our teams with all these games because they're all in the top european competitions, and they're expected to make runs in the efl and fa cups but then it's also i i want to know is it a an extent where maybe these top teams really don't put a lot of effort into something like the Carabao Cup because I Liverpool already for the most for Liverpool don't tend to bring out top teams in those games uh, I, I think last year was the furthest I've seen Liverpool make the Carabao Cup in the last five six years especially under the clock, they almost always get knocked out of the third round maybe they get to the fourth round but Maybe this is a year where you might end up seeing a, a championship side maybe make it to the final and possibly threaten to to really win the Carabao Cup because Premier League side might not really look at it as that important and they might just put it on their complete back burner going, we care about the league, we want to try the FA Cup, and especially the top sides, you've got to think they're going to be looking more at the Premier League and European competitions. So could there be a lot more surprises in those FA Cup and Carabao Cup games, which is always kind of fun to see if any of those the minnows kind of make a big move and get through a few additional rounds this year, which obviously will be really exciting for them. And that's even better for the sport, too, to see these teams make those, those jumps and those challenges to win games that they might not have normally won. But, you know, City might look at it and go, we don't really care to play this fifth-round EFL Cup game against some random team in the championship where, you know, next week we have a big, uh, we have a big champions league game to play. We have, you know, a big premier league game to play, and that's going to be in a span of four days. So do we really, do we really need to put effort into this game? And if this was a season to do it, this would be the season to really take those games and just kind of play full on youth side you know, all, all your under 18s, under 23 players and just give them a run out against these teams. And it, it's going to make for some exciting football, but I just really want to see what happens with the congestion and how the, the top teams, bottom teams really handle it and see what they can really do with it.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, that would be really cool if uh, not even a championship team, but even if one of these smaller premier league teams, you know, like Newcastle, uh, you know, Everton, Wolves, uh, Lester, You know, if one of those teams can like grab a cup, FA Cup or EFL Cup, um, or yeah, or a championship team, I just don't know. The championship has so many games too that I just don't know um, if if they would still be able to really compete for those as well. Um, Going to uh, my third and final storyline as we kind of wrap up here with uh, each of our last storylines coming up. Uh my last storyline here is Chelsea signings. Is Chelsea back to challenging for the top of the league? Were these signings worth it or not? Listen to this. Listen to this. We sold uh Chelsea sold Eden Hazard to Real Madrid for 143 million pounds. Chelsea have brought in Hakim Ziyech, Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, and that totals one hundred fifty five million pounds. So just for twelve million more than what uh, Chelsea got, they spent uh, on these three players. And I think these three players uh, can, can really do some damage. That's not even taken in effect, in, into effect that we had, uh, Chelsea had signed Pulisic before the transfer ban. Uh, so he was... You know, he's he's another one added on to here as well. When you look at the defense, they've signed Ben Chilwell. Uh, they've signed... Um, uh, I'm blanking on... Uh, uh, oh, yes, Tiago Silva as well here on a free. And then, uh, you know, if they are tied... If they are going to try to go get Declan Rice and a goalkeeper, then, I mean, it's not bad to just go... Maybe a little bit over, especially for these three attackers to go a little bit over the cost of what you brought in for one attacker. You know, you're you're going out and filling three spots with that, which is going to add to your depth, which was an issue last season. And that in turn can help them climb up that table. Uh, like I said earlier, I don't think they'll challenge that much for the actual top spot. Uh, I know Matt said that he thinks the top three will be very close. Or, or could be close, uh, definitely closer than last year. I think that it will be closer than last year, but I, I I mean, for reference, Liverpool finished with 99 points, City finished with 81, Chelsea finished with 66, and so did United. Uh, you know, I think maybe it's closer than that, but I don't think we'll be, you know, six points out of first. I think it'll be more like 10 to 12 points maybe out of first place uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, Logan, your third and final storyline.
2: Yeah, my third is, and I think we all went club oriented, maybe. Um, mine is uh, Pep's Guardi- Pep Guardiola's last year to prove that he can do it without Messi. Um, because I do think uh, in January they signed that pre contract. Um, and I was actually going through and looking at the success or, or you know, not the success that Pep has had at City. Um, and if you look at it, uh, he was brought here because we had won the Premier League. We were interested in winning Europe, still are. Um, but we we bring him in in hopes that he would bring us a championship in Europe. In twenty sixteen, we appoint a manager. Um, so I was looking back at like his Barcelona stats, um, and I was looking back at like how many he had won at Barcelona. Um, when I really think he he did a really good job, um, and, and obviously with Messi, because I was trying to compare. Um, and we're roughly at the same mark. Uh, we're 14 games shy of what he did with Barcelona. He's won about the same amount. Um, he, he's drawn a lot more at Barcelona. Uh, he's lost actually a lot more in City, um, which is crazy because we played. He's under Pep. We played 233 at Barcelona. He played. Or we he, they played underneath him for 247. They only lost 21 times. We've lost 35 times another interesting thing that i saw too uh was that he won obviously he's won two um uefa championships uh or champions leagues um trophies with barcelona hasn't come close uh with city um and i think you know looking at it uh if he really wants to prove that he is the mastermind that that we've claimed him to be um, can he do it with a team that's actually probably you know he's got a collection of star players but i don't think he's got a team of players that are winners um and i think that's that's part of the issue with city i think that it'll be interesting if pep can get them in the mindset of becoming um hungrier i, I just don't see city being hungry um in in the champions league I, I haven't seen them look prepared uh whenever we do get into the champions league we have like mad uh, 15 minutes or whatever they call it, um, where you have 15 minutes of just not playing your football. Um, And it seems like that's every single time that Pep's uh, been in that round of eight. Um, And I think it's, it's sad because, you know, he's been looked on um, as one of the best uh, to ever do it. But I think if you're looking at his time with city, I don't think he's anywhere close to what, you know, what we thought we were getting with him. And if Messi comes over um, next summer and Pep does decide to stick around, I just don't see ever considering Pep uh, what we had what we had signed, which was the greatest coach that would ever coach at City. Um, I think we're going to have better managers that come through there um, and have more success after his time is done. Um, and if you are a City fan, hell yeah, we would take a European championship. Um, but I don't think I will personally look at it as a success. I don't think Pep's done what he's needed to do to prove that he is the manager that we all thought he was, um, and I think that he's struggled more times than not um, to really get us past the point of saying that he is a dominant coach, and I don't put him in the ranks of Klopp. I don't think he's got the ability ability right now, especially with the team that he has, to, to consider himself up there as one of the top managers in Europe, because I, I just don't see it. I got 18 points clear of Liverpool last year, uh, or you know below Liverpool last year. I mean that's that's not something you'd really want to brag about. Um, and you know he might, you know we might get 100 points or whatever it is again, but I, I don't think that he's a success. And I really won't when Messi comes over next year if he if he makes that move into England.
0: All right, Matt, you're last up here on that. What's your last storyline <laughs> to look ahead for for this season?
1: Uh, last one is Will Liverpool repeat? Uh, you know, it took them, it, it took them, oh God, see, this is where I blank, 30 years, I believe, to win uh, their you recent home. I say I don't know why I was blanking. That. For some reason, twenty kept coming into my head. Um, it, it took them thirty. It took them thirty years to to win the English league, you know. And this being their first Premier League title is is repeating something that they can do. And I, I do believe it is something that they they definitely can't do. And I think Klopp is building a. He is building what he wants Liverpool to become, and in a in a way, kind of showing them how to shape their future for when it is his time to, to leave Liverpool and and bring on whoever his successor is going to be. But it it is, it is an exciting, but also unfamiliar territory for Liverpool, for the Liverpool team itself. Uh, You know, it's been so long. How are they going to handle being the defending champions? You know, it's, it's interesting watching when a team becomes defending champion, they all of a sudden they, they become the team with the mark on its back where you're going to get everyone's best game every single time you play them. You know, they are the champions. They want to beat you. And, you know, I think I, you see that with City, I think, sometimes this past year, where you had random teams come out of nowhere and, and dominate them. And, I you know, and then they go off and play a mid-table side and lose 3 4 nothing. you know, especially with Norwich. You just see teams up their game, and it'll be interesting to see if Liverpool can adapt to that I think Klopp has done really well at consistently adapting his team um, you know they went from you know 17-18 they were the incredibly fun high scoring team where you know you just knew they were going to get two to three goals a game with Mane, Salah, and Firmino at the you know top of their game and then you saw teams start to defend them a little differently and Liverpool became a little bit more of a a balanced side where they bring in Van Dyke and they bring in Allison. And then all of a sudden they're the best defensive team, but you know, goals were kind of going, coming and going at that point. You know, you have a few weeks in a row where they're scoring three, four goals, but then they go through stretches where they can scrape out one, maybe two a game um, you know, and teams ended up playing them a little bit different defensively. And then, you know, this past year Liverpool actually started playing with a higher defensive line as well. Which caused them to, to give away a few cheap goals that they generally wouldn't have in pre in the previous year. But, you know, they went in and they they have changed and adapted pretty much each year Klopp's been a manager. So it's kind of interesting to think what what are they gonna do this year that might be a, a bit of a change and it, it could be maybe they change formation, maybe they start going more toward that four, two, three, one and you know, bringing in Tiago would be a huge change as Liverpool right now tend to attack mostly down the wings, especially with Robertson and, and Trent. You know, those are their; those two are their heavy hitters in the offensive buildup where the midfielders are more keeping the ball, getting the ball back, kind of recycling it through the different sides, you know, getting it from left to right. And, and, and so it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. And, you know, I, I do think they're going to have there are moments where you look at them and go, that was clearly not a, a championship effort. And I, I think there will be games that I don't think they're going to go undefeated like they did last year for as long as they did. You know, I, I do think they lose, you know, if, if it happens, I could see them losing five, six games. Week two. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it'll be fun as a soccer fan, but also as a Liverpool fan. I know there's going to be moments I'm going to get incredibly frustrated with the team <laughs> because you're going to sit there and go, I know that you can play better than this and they have played better than that. And so it, I just really would like to see how they handle this pressure of being defending, defending champions. Mm-hmm. They're not really the underdog in a sense anymore. You know, they, they've slayed Goliath in a sense, you know, with City being Goliath and that. And they've, they've done it. They've reached that top, perch that they've been trying to get to for those 30 years and fans want to see more of it you know fans they it's it's almost like reading with different message boards and and through twitter you can see that the fans are like you know we don't want to go through another 30-year drought like we want to continue building we want to see players brought in that can fit with the team and continue the path that they've been on and so it it's it's exciting in that end as well, not just on, on the pitch, but off the pitch, how are they trying to build on that so that Liverpool fans aren't spending another 30 years, hoping they get another championship. And, you know, I just, I, I it's going to be an exciting year. I, you're going to have some frustrated uh, podcasts. I can tell, I can tell you with me, because um, I'm sure there are going to be games where I, I just want to scream up a scream into a pillow after watching them. Cause I think they are going to have a few struggles, but, I I really want to see what they can do as defending champions.
0: And I will just say to all the Liverpool fans, cry me a river. You just won a Champions League (laughs) and the Premier League. There's all these teams. (laughs) Well, here's the thing, too. There's all these teams over in Europe that have no shot of winning anything in their life. And you get, (laughs) yes, it took 30 years for Liverpool to win that, but they just won the Champions League the year before. They'd won numerous Cups. The year before, with the you know Carabao Cups and and, and stuff like that, and meanwhile you have teams like freaking uh, what uh, Newcastle that hasn't won anything in a while. You have teams like uh, that are you know like Harrogate Town that haven't won anything in a while ever, and they're <laughs> and they're here down in tier four. You know what I'm saying? So like, I think it's funny when when, when you said stuff like you know for fans to not have to go through another thirty year drought. How about? A uh, hundred some year droughts that these teams have been going through—it's uh, just crazy. Like as a Chelsea fan, yes, do I want to win the league? Yes, do I want to win the Champions League? Yes, do I want to win the Europa League? Yes, but I've actually seen my team win the Premier League a few times, Europa League uh, a few times, uh, Champions League their only time, FA Cups multiple times, you know Capital One Cups or. Carabao Cups, whatever they're called now, Carling Cups, a million names cup, the EFL Cup. <laughs> you know, I, think. I, I I just don't care. Like, okay, yes, do I want them to challenge titles again? Yes, but I don't know. I feel spoiled when it comes to Chelsea, when it comes to the NFL with with the Ravens winning two Super Bowls in my lifetime. I want to see I want to see some other teams play. That's what was so great about Leicester winning the winning the league, uh, you know, um back in 2016 and and stuff like that there's just all these you know like that was monumental and uh i would love to see something like that again in this league uh it or or in these cups like you said with the with the you know maybe the Premier league teams don't take it as seriously this year but like wigan beating man city in the fa cup that was monumental and that's the kind of stuff i want to see more of that uh yeah liverpool fans can just cry about it what were you gonna say matt (laughs)
1: I think in a way, it's almost, it, it's almost how the 30 year, I, obviously I wasn't alive for when they were a top team in England. So I think in a sense, it's almost how the 30 years went. I think that really affected a lot of it. Cause again, I, I don't have much input on the official 30 years. I'm not even 30 years old, but you know, to see teams like United and Chelsea and city win, multiple titles and when you know honestly even the trophies I I don't think Liverpool have won either the FA or Carabao Cup really since I became a fan um so it it definitely them winning the Champions League was a big I think a big step to kind of getting back to where they were because Liverpool when I became a fan were they were mid-table you know upper mid-table fifth sixth seventh eighth so I think I think how those 30 years went, I think is more of the effect of it where they would like to see Liverpool stay in the top three, top four and continue challenging because it it really was more of a Liverpool challenging for the title seemed more, especially when they challenged um, City in 13, 14. I remember it was almost like Liverpool were more of a, it was like a surprise. It was like, oh my God, Liverpool, they could win the title. Like, this is crazy. Liverpool, they could actually win the title. Even though, you know, this was something they've won 18, 19 times. They've won so many times before. And then all of a sudden it becomes like a shock that they're in the top of the table. So I think in a a way it's it's how those 30 years went and what they became that fans just they would like to see it continue build upon that so that they don't run into that scenario again where they're almost like a, a team that wins the Carabao Cup every once in a while. And challenges a little in Europe, and then you know goes through a five-six year span where they don't even get into Europe, and then I think it's just more they want to, to get, be consistent in the top, like teams like City tend to be at this point.
0: No, I, I get I get that. The issue is is that there's now not a top four. There's like a top eight with 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 all these teams that are constantly competing. For this, like, when when I started watching, it was a top four, uh, you know, pretty much. There were four really great teams, and they always pretty much consistently were the ones uh, making that. But, all right, you t- you're talking about the 30 years. Let's still, let's look at these 30 years, okay? Uh, I got all their trophies up. Are you ready? In the 30-year drought, they've won three FA Cups, 1991, uh, 2001, uh, so it's the 91-92, the 2000, 2001, and the 5 and 6. They've won one, two, three, four EFL Cups, 94 to 95, 2000 to 2001, 2002 to 2003, uh, 2011, 2012. They've won two Community Shields, 2001, 2006. They've won uh, two Champions Leagues, 2004, 2005, 2018, 2019. They've won one UEFA Cup, uh, which was 2000, 2001. They've won three Super Cups, 2001, 2005, 2019. They've won the UEFA, I mean, the FIFA Club World Cup in 2019 as well. That's still a crap ton of trophies in 30 years. So I know that's not the league, but I mean, they still were winning multiple, multiple things over and over. And especially. To win two Champions Leagues, which are the bigger prize during that time, is, is astounding as well. Um, all right, I think that about wraps us up here. Um, I know this was a long one, uh, like we thought. It actually did go a long time once we got to the stories. <laughs> uh, so our next episode is going to be actually reviewing the first week of games. This is going to be crazy. Uh, our second episode, I will be uh, on vacation, and I think we're still going to try to get us together. Uh, we'll actually all be in the same state for once to maybe record in person, or we can do it on the app. It's whatever, but we'll we'll find some way to record one and get one up uh, even while I'm on uh, vacation down there. Um, but yeah, so the next week is going to be actual game talk of the Premier League this will be our first time reviewing Premier League games you know you've been with us through the the Champions League the FA Cup Final the Community Shield uh so we're gonna be actually reviewing some (laughs) Premier League which is the whole reason we started this podcast so that's gonna be really exciting um If you want to contact us for whatever reason, you know, you want to scream at us for, uh, you know, Logan throwing Everton under the bus or Matt throwing um, uh, whoever Matt threw under the bus at some point this episode. Tottenham. Tottenham. No, he was actually kind of positive about Tottenham more than I was. (laughs) If you want to scream (laughs) at me about Tottenham, go ahead. Or if you're if you're going to. Scream at me about how what I just said about Liverpool. You can reach us on Twitter at Stoppage Show, Facebook.com/slash Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Email it. Uh, email us at Stoppage Time Show at Gmail, or you can Instagram us at Stoppage Time Soccer Show as well. Logan has been graciously posting a preview for each team as well on all of those platforms uh, with a little graphic and kind of giving uh, what to look for on uh, those. Teams And I think he's on a pace now where he's going to finish before the first games. So that's uh, that's all exciting. And uh, the first game is Saturday, right? Let's, I guess let's talk about that real quick. Um, let me just give you the list of the games. I know we went over it before. But uh, Saturday at 7.30 a.m. is Fulham versus Arsenal. At 10 a.m. is Crystal Palace in Southampton and West Ham and Newcastle. Then at 12.30, you get Liverpool versus Leeds. Uh, On that Sunday is uh, West Brom and Leicester City at 9 o'clock. At 11.30 is Tottenham Everton. And then on Monday, we have two games at 3 o'clock, Sheffield United and Wolves versus Brighton and Chelsea. We're not going to do predictions on those just because... Uh I don't think we have to do those every week. I I guess we'll figure that out. But with how long this one's going on, we'll, we might start that the following week. Um but uh but yeah, so uh like we said before, no Manchester United, no Man City, no Aston Villa, and no Burnley, because they are uh they've pushed those games back due to uh the two Manchester clubs European time. Uh so We'll be reviewing all of those games. We'll probably go a little bit more in-depth with ones that, uh, you know, I'm trying to watch as much of those as I can. And uh, if you have Peacock, they do put up the full game that you can watch over again at 9 p.m. on the day the game aired. So if you, if you are interested in watching any of those games, uh, if you missed one because they're on at the same time, you can watch uh, it fully at 9 p.m., Uh, Eastern time on Peacock. You'll be able to access the full replay. Uh, My name is Jordan Wiegand. You've heard from Manchester City fan Logan Stump, Liverpool fan Matt Hartgrove, uh, who was just crying about his lack of uh, (laughs) league titles. And we will catch you all next time. Kane has stolen it to death! That's what he's there for! Thank you for listening to stoppage time soccer show we hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the english premier league from our perspective we'll also be talking some champions league and any other leagues that impact world soccer